Welcome to the number one MSU basketball podcast in America. The Final Four is not on the schedule. Join Rod and me, Eric, as we dive deep into the Spartans to get you prepared for every game. Subscribe today for in-depth recruiting updates and fantastic interviews with today's important college basketball personalities like Robbie Hummel. Thank you for having me. I uh, I have listened to your guys' podcast numerous times on drives throughout any Midwestern Big Ten city, so I, I am big fans of your guys' work. Jay Billis. And next time, hey, if anybody in Michigan wants a December tea time, call me. You wimps won't show up, but I'll I'll be there. I'll be there and play in the cold, and Izzo will be in front of the fire with hot chocolate. Coaches Thomas Kelly. Oh, no problem. Glad to be back, man. Glad to be back. Mike Garland. You just can't sit there and trade twos for threes. You can't do it. You're going to lose. Coming down the stretch, you're going to lose. And more. You won't find better coverage of Spartan Hoops than you will get here. For both the casual and hardcore fan, come along as we take you for a green and white ride. Hey, everybody. It's Eric alongside Rod, where you're interrupting our Big Ten previews. We're between the Ohio State and the Purdue game. Or, sorry, the Purdue, <laughs> Purdue review, preview uh, to... I guess this is breaking news as we were waiting for the commitment from Jace Richardson, a four-star, six-foot-five combo guard from Las Vegas, most notably the son of Jason Richardson. He was going to announce his commitment today on Sunday, October 15th, and he announced that he's going to commit to Michigan State. And so Michigan State gets their third player in the class, and we'll talk about that in just a moment, but I first want to thank all of you who support the show through one-time gifts via PayPal or Venmo, also those of you who subscribe through Patreon or Substack. Uh, no, most notably, Bill Church, Brian O'Donnell, Chad Hickey, and Jason Yeager in the Mateen Cleaves level, Adam Walzak, Dan Rankin, Doug Robinson, James Denton, Jim L., Michael Bosnick, Paul Marsh, and Scott Driscoll in the Draymond Green level, and then all of you who support us as well in the Scott Skiles level. Thank you so much for all you do. If you're interested in supporting the show, we'd greatly appreciate it, obviously. You can find information at thefinalforceontheschedule.com slash support. And there you can find the ways to do one-time gifts or a recurring monthly payment. Uh, so I guess, you know, obviously the big news, like I said, Rod, is the fact that Jace Richardson commits to Michigan State and he's the third. And there's maybe one more to round out. We'll talk about that in just a little bit. But why don't we talk again? I know we mentioned a number of times in the previous uh, recruit, uh, recruiting news. This is a big deal. And this is one that looked like, well, I no one really knew until I think today, really, what was going to happen as far Correct. as whether he's going to end up. They kept this so close to the vest, and you know, I mean, give give that his family credit, and obviously, anybody listening to this knows who his father is. My my understanding in this one for a long time is that Jason, his dad, of course, one of the great players in Michigan State history. Stayed complete. Uh, didn't stay completely out of it. Obviously, he was involved as a parent, as a you know, in, in those levels. But my understanding is, um, he did not weigh in heavily, trying to tilt the decision in his alma mater's way, in that direction, and that is consistent with how he had been in the past. Because you know, people, I, I'm sure some of our listeners realize this, but. There were two recruitments in the last several years that involved relatives of his. Tugs Bowen, which ended up being, he never played a, a single second of college basketball, and he ended up being at the center of um, the FBI nonsense, which is now finally <laughs> resolved in a big fat zero. Um, 
but nevertheless, he was involved in that. And then more recently, Ty Rogers, who ended up at, um, at Illinois. Those are both also relatives of his. And my understanding was Jason played no active role in either of those recruitments. So not surprising that he opted to treat his son's recruitment the same way with, with a little bit of a difference, obviously. I'm sure most people have, listening to this have seen photos of, of Jason's visits, et cetera, and, and Jason was there during all of those. But everything I've heard said he, he kind of it very much was about letting his son make his own decision for his own reasons, which is great. You have to, you have to really commend that. Cause everyone treats it differently for, for as a parent, you know, there's no right way or wrong way to do it. Uh, but he's obviously been no. consistent in sort of how he approached it. Um, and, and then I think his son for his part, obviously kept it very close to the vest as of right. basically noon today, nobody really had a clue. The word was that neither staff, it basically came down to Alabama and Michigan state. Right. Cincinnati also got an official visit. Um, but down the stretch, there seemed to be a sense that it was Alabama, Michigan state. As of like noon, the word was neither staff had been notified. And then word started trickling out around, I think it was around 1230, one o'clock this afternoon. And it was going Michigan state's way. And of course that is what he ended up doing, announcing at halftime um, of a, uh, a game involving two other teams, his team. He plays for Christopher Columbus high school in Florida. Now he transferred there this summer and um, they are in a, a kind of a preseason event in Las Vegas, which I'll, I'll talk about in a minute. So although you're probably not going to, by the time you hear this, it will already be over. We're recording this at about closing in on eight o'clock on Sunday night in about an hour, his team will play their third game in three days. Um, and so anyway, it, there've been a few commitments. There's another very highly rated kid who plays for Montverde Academy, uh, Liam McNally, uh, who's a, uh, a top 10 recruit who announced earlier today at that same event for Indiana. Um, so it's been good to the big 10 so far, but, uh, Jace announced at halftime of another game, um, around five, five forty, I guess, PM Eastern time. And uh, made Michigan State and its fans very, very happy. Um, I mean, to talk a little bit about his game, and we've talked about it before here, but I've gotten to see him the last couple nights because at that event his team is playing, those games are all on ESPN+. And so I've gotten to see him play, and he continues to look better. I saw him this summer uh, playing AAU, this spring rather, um, on a, in a couple of games, uh, playing for Paul Georgia lead a team out of Southern California. And he really had a great spring and summer in AAU, mm -hmm. you know, it, previously he was seen as a guy with a lot of potential. And then last season he was playing high school basketball, at Bishop Gorman in Las Vegas, and he got hurt. And so missed a good chunk of the season due to injury he wasn't really able to fully be himself. But this spring, you really started to see what he can become. And you started to see the potential kind of coalesce into actual production. And boy, it looks to me in these first two games I've watched uh, over this weekend that he's taken up it's his game up another level still. He's You'll see some 
listings for him as big as six four. I don't think he's six four. I think he's about six two. Okay. And while he's <laughs> he's not the athlete his dad was, very you few are. are. Yeah. He's a very good athlete. <laughs> Make no mistake. I would I would put him from what I've seen, I would put him as a leaper definitely in at least the Jeremy Fears category and possibly bordering on Jaden Akins. I mean, okay. he's a really good athlete. But what I like about him so much is his game combines that kind of like kind of quick strike athleticism with a very good understanding of how to play. Watching him this weekend, you know, he's, he doesn't play on ball for his high school team as much because um, he plays now with a, a pair of twins, the Boozer twins, who are extremely <laughs> highly ranked. The, uh, the taller one, uh, Cameron, is the number two player in the class nationally. His, his twin is a point guard rated a little lower, but still a very, very highly rated guy. And so Jace isn't playing point guard as much as he has for Bishop Gorman or his AAU team. But you watch him, and he's just very, very smart, uh, understands how to cut to get himself open. Um, he finds people generally making the right decision, the right pass. He's an outstanding rebounder. He had um, – the other night in their first game, he had 25 points and eight rebounds from the guard spot. He's wow. definitely a guy who, who I harp a lot here about wing rebounding and how important <laughs> yeah. it is in Michigan State. Jace Richardson is a guy who, even though he's only 6'2", 6'3", I think can be a contributor there, much in the way that I think Jade Nakins can. You know, physically, he's solid right now. I think he, he wouldn't look out of place on a big 10 court from a physical perspective, this, this second, um, but probably could hone his body a little bit more. And he, I'm sure he will do that at Michigan state. Uh, he's a good shooter who is continuing to get better. He actually shot the ball very well uh, in EYBL this, this spring and summer. And then, you know, I said for his high school team, he's not playing on ball as much, but, he did play on ball in EYBL and he had an outstanding season in terms of playmaking, minimizing turnovers, generally making good decisions. Um, he fits right into what Michigan state wants to do, because as we know, and you can see it with the way Tom Izzo has been assembling his roster in recent years, uh, he wants to have multiple guys who can make plays with the ball at the same time on the floor. He doesn't want to ever get caught in a situation like we saw three years ago again. You must have nightmares about that season. <laughs> yeah. And so I think you can you can see uh, what he's trying to do with this group. So if you project to next year, which in the current environment is a dangerous thing to do, but let's do it anyway. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. Let's assume that all three of the starters leave because AJ and Jaden could come back. I'm going to guess that they won't. Well, That's going to leave you yeah. with Jeremy Fears, who is very clearly a point guard. Mm -hmm. uh, Trey Holloman, who we know can play that position very naturally. And Jace Richardson is capable of playing it. Um, they will also have in their perimeter group, Garrick Norman coming back. You can count Cohen Carr, depending on how that goes. I could see him being a three or a four. 
Mm -hmm. um, and then Kurt Tang, right. who was also in this 24 class. So they've, they're pretty much in my mind, they're largely set with that perimeter group. And so when you look at it, I think there's a very strong possibility that we see Jace Richardson used, you know, the term combo guard gets tossed around way too much. Most combo guards actually aren't guys you would trust to run your team. <laughs> right. Yeah. Jace Richardson, I think actually does fit that descriptor. And so I can see him playing alongside Jeremy Fears or Trey Holloman. I can see him having the ball in his hands a lot at, at other times. I think he's versatile. Um, they also like his defensive potential. So, I mean, there's just a lot to like. And, uh, you know, I, I would say right now, when you, this isn't the be all and end all, but I know some people care about this stuff. Right now, when I look at the rankings, Jace is kind of one of those borderline McDonald's guys. Mm -hmm. But given given the profile of team he's playing on, they're going to be all over ESPN. I mean, you will have no problem getting <laughs> early looks at Jace Richardson if you want to. Um, given that, that team that he's playing on, assuming he has the kind of year I think he's ready to have, I will not be surprised if he's a McDonald's All-American. And if he is, that would give Tom Izzo his third class and a third class out of the last four with at least one McDonald's All-American. Max Christie, they then didn't have one last year, but um or two years ago, but this past year they had two, Jeremy Fears and uh Xavier Booker, and then Jace Richardson would be another. Um but I I, I that tells you the kind of caliber player we're talking about somebody who much like Kerr Tang, I think you look at Jace Richardson and say, this is a guy who can help immediately next year. And because of what they're likely to lose, they're going to need him to, because it's going to be in part a very new and different looking group, but one with a great deal of potential and talent. So it's exciting. So with his recruitment, Kerr Tang, Jesse McCullough, it sounds to me like what you're telling me is that Tom Izzo's kind of washed up. He's having trouble recruiting now. Is that what you're trying to tell me? Yeah, it's just, boy, you know, I I didn't keep receipts because what's the point? But <laughs> there were a lot of people uh, 18 months ago talking about how Tom Izzo needed to take a page out of Mel Tucker's book. He needed to learn how to adapt to this new era. On and on and on. So much nonsense. And we, I said at the time, the guy's in the Hall of Fame for a reason. I know some of you think, well, that doesn't mean anything. A Hall of Famer can lose their fastball. Well, this one hasn't. Not yet. Yeah, you. I mean, you look at it right now and the way he's, I, I hate saying been recruiting, but the classes he's been bringing in, really impressive. And um, yeah. it makes you wonder... Yeah. This it doesn't look like the kind of guy who, especially, started landing all these players, the kind of person who's ready to sort of hang it up after a couple of years. I, I mean, I, who knows how long he's going to go? But I'm glad you said that because there was a quote I saw. You know, in the last, again, we're recording this on what is it, the fifteenth? Yeah, Sunday the fifteenth. So we just had last week, in the last say week to ten days, we've had MSU's media day, we had Big Ten media day, and then we had the midnight. Well, not Midnight Madness, but the Madness event. 
Yeah. Uh, so a lot of time with press. And there was a quote that he gave, and I don't have it in front of me, so I don't have it verbatim, but I will um, I will paraphrase, uh, that it shocked me it hasn't gotten more play. Because he said, and again, I'm paraphrasing, but I've, I'm getting the essence of it correct. I can tell you that. He said, you know, I talked to some of these guys that have retired, and I've just decided I'm going to keep doing it until they tell me I can't. <laughs> And that is a different thing. Tom is I'm not what he saying, said in the past. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying that anybody who has been wondering about that was way off because Izzo himself frequently would say, I'm not one of these guys that are going to carry out on a stretcher, blah, blah, blah. He, yeah, he right. made a point of saying that for years and years. He's not talking that way anymore. And as you say, he's not functioning that way. So I, I don't put, anymore you know i used to at certain points look and say all right he's definitely going to hang around as long as his son's there well this is i think this is his son's last year maybe he's got one more if this is his covid year took yeah, a red shirt yeah um you know that used to be the thing and then well it's this guy or that guy he's committed to coaching through so he'll he'll last at least that long i think we're past the point now you know short of health issues I don't see any reason to think that um, that he's done anytime soon. Now, what that the number of years that's going to be? Hey, none of us are promised tomorrow, right? So yeah. we don't know. But I, I do. I'm with you. I do not sense that this is a guy who's slowing down. And I will tell you this: for as strong as this class is looking, this 24 class, and they're not necessarily done yet. They haven't landed anybody in the 25 class yet, but I'm telling you, they, they are set up <laughs> to have another great class. They are in on so many guys that are highly rated, and the best part is a lot of them, the vast majority of them, are from the upper Midwest. It's a good year to have a lot of um, uh, viable targets because – they, there's a definitely a, a uh, an upsurge in the number of MSU level players in the part of the country that they're traditionally successful in recruiting. Well, I, and I, you know, just watching Izzo in his press re- conferences, he he seems very vigorous. Like he doesn't yep, seem like he, he doesn't seem old. And he doesn't no. seem any and, and he seems to me, you know, I don't talk to him personally, but he strikes me as someone who's ha- enjoying himself, and that is yep. you know, key. He's obviously the point in this part of his career where he's not going to take another job. So he's done when he's right. done at Michigan State. Uh, he's got all the money he needs, well, all that sort of thing. So there's no cr- further furthering his career. It's just at this point, you're kind of working just for yourself and for you know what works best for your family. So, I mean, I think at this point, it, it and I think we've talked about this before, but I think he's done when he just physically can't do it. And um, yeah, or some We're, weird thing happens, like some massive contract, like a Nasser sort of thing that just, but those are hard to, you know, black swan events. I, right. I kind of think he's it's just not he, even worth thinking about. Those no, I don't think so. I think it's pretty much right. I think for him, it's going to be, he's at a point in his career now. And especially with a lot of the big headliners have gone away. I mean, Patino's probably got a couple years left. Not much. Uh, you have, you have Krzyzewski uh, retired. He's. Patino's another one they'll carry. They'll carry out on the stretch. They'll carry right, yeah. But Shashevsky's so, like, gone, right? Shashevsky's gone. You have um, Jay Wright is gone, and so when you look at like big name coaches, 
there aren't many left. I mean, he's like the biggest of them left now. Right. And so, yes, I, I think that's, I think you'd put, you'd put, um, Bill self. Yep. Certainly He'd be a, would, for sure. would be in that discussion. And hmm, I think that's about it. Probably that's Patino? it. Patino it's self Patino. and self yeah. Patino is those are the three guys. And you know, here's the thing, Patino and self, I, I don't think the profession clearly respects them. I mean, there's a, there's an argument that Rick Patino is as good a pure basketball coach as there has ever been. Yeah. Um, and Bill self obviously has won everything at Kansas. You know, he's up there all time as well, but I really do think if you're looking at a face of the game nationally, the way that Shashevsky was the way the, the way that Roy Williams was, the way that in a different era, Bob Knight was and Dean Smith, that is Tom Izzo. Mm -hmm. We sometimes lose track of that here because we're so close to it. You know, it's an, Tom Izzo is an everyday thing, but he is that guy. And I think he actually enjoys that. And I think, and, and I gather from when I listen to him talk, I think he feels like if he's not there to do that, there aren't many guys who will say the things he believes needs to be said. However you feel about issues like the portal, NIL, all, and he's not in the same place on those things. But you know, however you feel about these issues, and a lot of MSU fans, I think, disagree with him about some of it. I disagree with him about some of it when push comes to shove. But I think it is important to have someone out there articulating the messages that he does. And I think he really believes that. And then on top of all that stuff, I think he, he thinks and cares about very, very strongly his legacy, Michigan State's legacy as a program, and wanting to continue to elevate it, which is additional motivation. A lot of people have felt, you know, you've heard this for several years. Well, if he finally gets a second one, that'll be it. Yeah, I don't believe that at all. Maybe, maybe but I kind of doubt it. Yeah. I think if he gets a second one, his reaction is more likely to be, well, let's go get a third. I mean, right. I really do. Back I think to back, that's right? Or whatever. Right, yeah. right. I think that's where he's at. Yep. I think with his, with, as far as the coaches and how, as you mentioned, he's the, and of the three we, you mentioned, I think he's the easiest one for the media to sort of get behind him in any ways, because he has yes. uh, his, the, his, the way he is, as far as demeanor his the humility, you know, maybe you say it's false humility. I don't know, whatever. Uh, but certainly he seems genuine, seems like a regular kind of guy. And the, and the fact that he's not really had a whole, I mean, there aren't any recruiting scandals as far as I'm aware. There's, you know, things that some players have done over the years, maybe that are some question, questionable, but for the most part, pretty clean. And you don't ha certainly don't have that with Patino and Bill Self, right? And so he's well, a lot easier to hold up there. And and I think that because there are the exits for all these other coaches, I think it has opened up recruiting and made it easier for him in so many ways. I, I you know, I think in addition to the fact that he's got, I mean, how many ex how many hundreds of players are out there who are in many ways yeah. recruiting for him, right? I mean, that yeah, the grind week or whatever. I mean. That's a yeah, massive sort phenomenal. of, you know, I mean, those sorts of things are, you can't buy, you can't pay for that sort of. No, all, all, all true. I also think that as a program, they made a decision, you know, I guess it's been two years ago now, um, two or three years ago when they brought in John Borovich, who is their director of recruiting. 
Mm-hmm. And and keep in mind, he had a job on the bench at Northwestern that he left to come back to Michigan State, where I believe he'd been a grad assistant, mm-hmm. um, and take a non-bench job. But I think some people look at the correlation in this and say, well, it's on Borovich is the guy doing this. I think it's a combination of things. I think John Borovich clearly had broader, different contacts, I won't say broader, different contacts within the sport, like people he had strong relationships with, and that's helped. But I also think Tom Izzo decided to broaden their recruiting yeah, approach. Right, for sure. And then yeah. and then identified somebody who he felt could help them do that. Exactly. Now there, right, you, yeah. you look at you look at this class and so far, and it's three guys. It's Jesse McCullough who's from Cleveland. Okay, that's standard issue Michigan State stuff, heartland yep. of the recruiting turf recruitment. Curtain, who's from uh New England not a place Michigan I don't think Michigan State's ever gotten a guy in my not in not in the Izzo era from that part of the country from from New England I don't think there's a single I can't think of one so that's brand new turf and then Jace Richardson who kind of is a hybrid because yes everybody says well he's a legacy and I'm not I'm not poo-pooing that that matters but he never grew up in Michigan Right. He was a he was in Florida as a kid. You know, he moved around with his dad's NBA career, and then he'd been in Las Vegas for quite a while, growing up playing high school basketball. And this year is in South Florida, so you could say he's a legacy, and that's true. But I don't think he spent a boatload of time around the Michigan State program growing up as a kid. So that's another one that kind of is in its own weird category. You look at what they're doing in 25. Yeah, there are a lot of guys who are upper Midwest, as I mentioned, but there are some who aren't. Mm -hmm. And and so there's definitely a change in the approach. And I think it's working. We talked about it with this year's freshman class kid from Texas. You got the two kids from the heartland from Joliet and, and Indianapolis. And then, and then you have a guy from Georgia. Yeah. And, and, and late additions to the class in a reflection, I think of it just to the gravitas that Michigan state has now nationally. Right. Cause that was definitely the thing with, um, Gary Norman with Norman and that, Carr. Right. Yes. Norman For sure. And Carr, yeah. Oh, Michigan State not, has called. Not, not late in the sense that they, you know, they got them done in the early signing period, but late in terms of MSU, not actually offering until we were into the summer. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah, You're right. I think that was flexing those muscles, muscles right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. look, this is right now with the three guys they've got. I mean, you've got two perimeter guys, which is what they needed to do, who I think are good enough to step in and play immediately. And then you have Jesse McCullough, who's, I think, going to be more of a developmental project. But I don't mean I don't mean that he can't help. I just think um he's more of a guy that they'll try to ease in over time as opposed to, Hey, you're playing 15, 20 minutes at least right away. Right. Um, So it's a nice mix. It's a very good class already with those guys, two solid top 50 guys. McCullough's more a borderline top 100 guy. That's a really good class by any, and following up the one they had in 23, it's even more impressive. You've, you've landed seven really good players over two years. They're not quite done yet. 
there's one more guy out there, uh, Bryson Tucker, and um, we'll see what happens. But the great thing is Michigan State can just kind of focus on him and see where it goes. They're not under any pressure. If they happen to not get him, okay. They can go into the portal if they decide to and target a player. Um, but they, they're not, they're in it, they're in just about a perfect situation. They can focus on the one guy they've got left in the class that they're interested in at this stage, at least. And then it can be all focused on 25s and 26s. So again, just like last year. Your work is done early. You're able to get out ahead of the curve. You're not going into the spring still recruiting a bunch of guys or or one guy that you've absolutely got to have. You know, that's a yeah. great position to be in on a lot of levels. So I guess, you know, why don't you just talk briefly again, just Bry- Bryson Tucker, where he fits in the, he's like a yeah. four or five, right? Uh, positionally? No. Yeah. Um, three, four. I would say theoretically anything from a one to a four is my opinion. (laughs) Okay. But, but I think it'll be, that's an interesting component of all this. So let's reframe Bryson Tucker. We've talked about who, by the way, is also playing in the same event in Vegas that I mentioned that Jace Richardson is in. And I've gotten to see him play this weekend too, um, which is tough to do because Bryson Tucker doesn't play AAU. And he he left IMG Academy last December and didn't go back. So he didn't really have much of a high school season as a junior. So it's been a while since people have seen him. I saw him in an all-star game this summer, and it was a high school all-star game played on an outdoor court in New York City. You couldn't really tell very much. Mm-hmm. I've gotten a better sense having watched him twice um, this weekend. He's an interesting guy. Depending upon who you talk to, you see him anywhere from fringe of the top 10 to maybe 20th or so. He's a guy who I think will be a McDonald's All-American. He's from the Baltimore area, Maryland. And as I say, it's kind of a weird recruitment. His dad is an ex-college player, played at NC State and somewhere else. I'm forgetting where the second school was that he played at, but he definitely played at NC State. And his dad is heavily involved. And Michigan State fans, I understand these scenarios, you get kind of gun-shy because you think about Marcus Taylor, you think about (laughs) Imani Bates. It hasn't always gone well, but be that as it may, that's the situation. And so, as I said, he doesn't play AAU. He played in a pro-am in Baltimore this year where he played with actual pros. So he, he, he just goes about it differently. Didn't really have a high school season last year. Just goes about his business differently, but... You see him play, and it's clear, it's easy to see why he's rated where he is. He's about 6'7", and he's pretty decently put together. I mean, you could always get a little stronger, but he's another guy like Jace Richardson that I look at him and I think, well, physically, could he hack it if you dropped him in a Big Ten game tomorrow? Yeah, probably so. Um, He's got a good handle and solid passing instincts, and he, he actually... I had gotten a sense, and anytime you're dealing with a kid like this who 
hasn't doesn't play a lot of hasn't played a lot of team basketball for a while you wonder about what the mentality is going to be right this was the criticism of Amani Bates right that he did shot selection playing within a team concept he just lost all that I wondered about that but having watched him for a couple games I don't worry about it anymore he's a very willing passer he drives and kicks a lot Um, he actually drives and kicks more than he should because the guys he's playing with don't hit enough shots from what I've seen but (laughs) Um, but he's, he's not selfish. Doesn't seem to have a selfish mentality. Um, I don't think he's a point guard at the collegiate level, but I do think you could play him on the wing. And that probably is where he'd want to end up. The thing is, when I look at Michigan state's roster, I think, well, where are they going to have holes next year? It's probably at the four, you know, you've got Xavier Booker, hopefully returning, but other than that, you lose Malik call. Do they have anybody else? Maybe Cohen Carr slides there. And yeah. if that happens, then Tucker is definitely part of your perimeter group. But if they like Carr on the wing, maybe they find ways to get I the, the reason I say it, nobody talks about him as a four, but the reason I say it is having watched him, he was really effective in the paint. He would he would get guys on his back, post up, showed a good ability to score. He's a plus athlete, um, smooth. Should be a good defensive player. Hard to tell with the competition right now. Even right. elite high school basketball, it's still hard to tell. But should be good, you know, he, he's, and he's got good size at 6'7". So developing jump shot, maybe a little inconsistent, but definitely shows you enough to work with. Um, where he's best is just his handle and going at people, taking them off the dribble. He, he That's where you see the NBA potential with him. Yeah. Right. And they really, I can't think of a good Michigan state comp for him. He's a little, a little bit unique um, in terms of, in terms of how he plays. And, um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see what's going. So here's the deal. He's only taken one official visit and that's to Michigan state. Now, you hear names like Duke and Georgetown thrown around, and maybe they will get more heavily involved as we go. But right now, when Michigan State's the only school that's had them on an official, you kind of assume they're in front. Yeah, if, if you figure the college route, he's Michigan State. If he goes pro route, something else, obviously. There's, and that's the other element in the room here is he has talked about the G League. He's mentioned there's been some contact. Even if it's not the G League, he could always opt to go uh, NBL, the developmental. Um, the, Australia's Pro League has a program, uh, I forget what they call it, Rising Stars, something like that, mm-hmm. um, where they will take a high school kid and put them in a situation to develop them while playing pro basketball down there. That's a, that's a possibility you wouldn't rule out. Theoretically, I guess he could go overtime elite, although that that's starting to feel like it's more a place that guys go to earn some money before they then go do their year in college. Yeah, that's kind of how that feels to me right now for the most part. But he could always opt to do that as well. So who knows? I think right now the conclusion would be it's MSU or pros that could change. But it feels, you know, we're we're in mid-October. And there doesn't seem to be strong signs that anybody else is recruiting him with the vigor Michigan State is. So if they add him, 
to this class, then I think as a group, you're talking about a class that's on par with 23 as an overall group, for sure. I would, I would put it overall in the, uh, in the same category, because I think, um, I actually think Tucker is probably a little more ready to go than Xavier Booker was, but they're rated in similar spots. Jace Richardson, Jeremy Fears rated very similarly. Kurtang, Cohen Carr rated very similarly. Different players, but in terms mm-hmm. of how they're viewed, the same. And then Garrick Norman and Jesse McCullough, very different players. But again, both guys at the back end of the top 100. So they'd be very similar classes. Um, remains to be seen, but this is what I'm saying. He's Tucker's already said he's going to take this to the spring. So if you're MSU, well, that's great. Yeah. You re- continue basketball. the recruitment. You let it work out. If you get him, great. If you don't get him, I think you then have a choice. You see what happens with your roster. And then if you really feel like you need to add somebody somewhere, I would tend to think it would be, if they're going to add anybody, it would be more somebody who can play the four. Um, maybe yeah. you go into the portal for a guy, but it th- that's how MSU is going to handle this portal stuff. It's, it's going to be targeted, you know, and for very specific needs, they're not going to do, I had this discussion with somebody on the Spartan mag board today. A lot of these coaches, like for example, Alabama, who was generally considered to be the runner up for, uh, for Jace Richardson today. If Jace Richardson had gone there, odds are really good based on his prior behavior, that Nate Oates is going to go back into the portal and bring in at least one more guard this spring. Because yeah. that's what he does. Mm-hmm. He yep. he wants to have, and a lot of coaches are this way, they want to have additional guys in there who have some college experience. And so when you when you commit to them in the fall or before then, as a high school player, you really can't know what that roster is going to look like. Jace Richardson can look at Michigan State and have a pretty clear understanding of what's likely. Now, there's always, you know, Jaden Akins could come back. A.J. Hogard could do a COVID year. We don't think either of those things are likely, but it could happen. That would change the dynamic some. But generally speaking, he's got a much clearer understanding at MSU than he would most other places just because of the way Tom Izzo is going to run his program. You know, and I think that helps. And I have to imagine too, with the season as we expect this is going to play out this year, it's going to be probably could be a very special year for Michigan State. Filling that position if they don't get Tucker will probably be pretty easy. Like I think there'll be plenty of opportunities of really good talent you could bring in. Yeah, if they they wanted to add somebody. Yeah, I I think with Tucker, it's it's mostly you know. Again, I went down that perimeter group. That's there's a lot of bodies in that perimeter group. Right yep. there, you count. If we count Cohen Carr as a perimeter guy, they're six deep. That's that's a lot, you know. Um, that's without Tucker. Yeah. So, to me, Tucker is mostly at this point a guy who's too good to say no to. If he wants to come and you like the fit, and MSU obviously must because they've spent enough time recruiting him, then you take him and you find a way to figure it out and make it work. If they don't get him, I think it's possible they could add a veteran on the perimeter and say, Cohen, you're a four. But I think what's more likely is 
they would look to add another guy who's at least capable of playing four minutes and maybe not even a starting caliber guy. Probably more likely just somebody you could say, hey, this guy can give us 15 solid minutes a night. You know, it would be that kind of guy because you look at you look around, they're going to add McCullough to this group. Theoretically, all three centers from this year could come back again because Mahdi could do a COVID year. Yep. Yep. We think Xavier Booker probably is going to be a two-year guy. They've already got a lot of bodies there, too. So it would be a very specific need, and I think a more targeted kind of this-is-the-role-we've-got-for-you kind of addition rather than we got to go out and get a 30-minute-a-night guy. I just don't think they're going to do that with regardless of what Tucker does. And if Tucker does commit to MSU, there's absolutely no way they're going into the portal. It won't happen. Well, Michigan State rolling along still with the recruiting classes, with the commitment from Jason Richardson, four-star out of Las Vegas, son of Jason Richardson. Uh, We'll leave you there, and I just want to remind everyone, if you need Spartan apparel, I know it's been a rough football season, but hey, basketball's just around the corner. The sun is ready away. to start shining, this people. Hold on. Exhibition game is next week. We'll be going to pregame for the Hillsdale game pretty soon. Uh, check out Nudge Printing. You can get great stuff there. Get all your Spartan gear, uh, decals, hoodies, T-shirts. You can get our stuff at the Final Force on the schedule.com slash merchandise, or you just go to nudgeprinting.com. If you're a listener to the show, you get 20% off if you type in Final Four as a coupon code at uh, checkout. Uh, also, check out the Brothers That Just Two Gutters. It is leaf season. It is fall. There's all kinds of water, all kinds of leaves. You hate it as much as I do. Want to contact the Brothers That Just Two Gutters. They put up leaf guards in my house, and now I'm not getting on my ladder and cleaning off leaves. So highly recommend them. 10% off your estimate. If you contact them, the contact information can be found below uh, in your podcast player, or you can go to the website and find it there as well. If you're on the west side of the state or the east side of the state, Brothers that just do gutters have got you covered. So make sure you contact them. You won't regret that. And again, if you want to support the show, final force on the schedule.com slash support, and we'd be, be greatly appreciated. So we're going to delay the Purdue preview until Tuesday. And then Michigan state is Thursday. And then we get into the season. So it's all coming on real quick as uh rod. I hear before we recorded, we were still trying to, I guess, come to grips with what's happened with the Lions this season as <laughs> they look actually competent. It's a, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's been a strange year for at least we've got that. We may not have Michigan State football this year, but we got the line. So bring the whole state together. So until next time, the final four is on the schedule. Go green.